0: This chapter forms part of episode 40 of the Education Research Reading Room podcast on online learning. Before listening, I highly recommend that you listen to the chapter introduction in order to get a sense of what's in this chapter as well as each of the other six. And if you enjoy this chapter, please share it with friends and colleagues. Chapter 4, Sally Richmond and Ewart Gwyn on how to shift your primary or elementary school to online learning. Sally Richmond is originally from the UK and has been teaching overseas for 20 years. She has worked at Beijing City International School for the past nine years, and this is her second year as elementary school principal. Sally is currently in Phuket, where she arrived nine weeks ago for the seven-day Chinese New Year holiday. Yua Gwyn is the third culture kid from Canada, Korea and the US, working as deputy principal of the elementary school at BCIS. This is her 12th year at BCIS and second year in her current role. She's currently in Vietnam, figuring out this whole online learning business with her husband and daughter. This chapter is absolutely essential listening for anyone who is in a position in which they need to quickly and effectively shift their primary or elementary school, or any other school for that matter, to online learning. So Sally Richmond and you are Gwyn, welcome to the Education Research Reading Room.
1: Thank
2: you. Nice to be here. Really nice to see you and and be here.
0: Wonderful. Um, could you each tell us a little bit about yourselves and maybe you'd like to go first, Sally?
1: Okay, sure. So, I am, am a UK national um, I've been working in China for nine years um, I'm currently the elementary school principal at Beijing City International School. Um, our school has just completed week eight of online learning and next week for us is our spring break so we're quite ex- excited about actually having a bit of downtime. Um, I'm currently in Thailand. We left uh, China to go on holiday for Chinese New Year for seven days and we've now done about nine weeks outside of China. So our, for us um, here where I am at the moment there's myself, um, my family and three other teaching couples as well. So we've been sharing one villa trying to move our way around Thailand a bit and mm. um, And yeah, we've been learning a lot as we've gone along over the last few weeks in terms of being able to um, actually support teachers doing online learning and things, so it's been a steep learning curve for us. Um, but We're working our way through it slowly.
0: Wonderful. You are?
2: Yeah, um, I'm from Montreal, Canada. Um, I'm currently the Deputy Principal at Beijing City International School. the elementary school section.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Like Sally, we left uh, Beijing on holiday for Vietnam. and So this is our ninth week here. Um, Interesting fact, our our, uh, hotel has closed at the moment. And so we're in a seven-story hotel. We're the only ones staying in it. So we're feeling very lucky that they let us stay. yeah, the whole online learning curve has been um, steep, but we're taking it as an opportunity to grow and learn together as a staff.
0: Fantastic. So, could you just, um, tell us a little bit about Beijing City International School? What, what year levels? Um, how old are the kids? How many grades? How many kids? That kind of thing.
1: Sure. So, um, we actually have three different divisions. We have an early childhood center, which is toddlers, so two-year-olds through to kindergarten. Um, elementary school where you are and I are is grades one through five and then we have obviously a secondary division as well and they are grades six through twelve. Um about twelve hundred students in total, of which about four hundred and fifty are in the elementary school with us.
0: Okay, huge. Um You said you've been doing the online thing for eight weeks now. Um I can imagine there's been a bit of a, a, a real journey of, you know, emotions, skills You know, learning curves along the way. Could you just um, take us through that story a little bit from the day that you found out that you had to go online to how much time you had to prepare? What are some of the things you started to do straight away? um, And how that all went.
1: Sure. So we probably found out about the Wednesday, about a week into our Chinese New Year holiday. So Wednesday, and we were due back at school the following Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Wednesday was kind of when it was hinted that it might happen for a couple of weeks. Um, by the Friday, at the time, I was in Vietnam as well. And it coincidentally, we were with the ECC principal and the secondary school principal as well. So we managed to spend the fri- the last Friday of our Chinese New Year holiday where we sat down and we would, we brainstormed the kind of the guidelines for our online learning for, for teachers so that on the Monday they'd have something to work on and go. Um, we had told teachers by this stage and I have to say our staff were awesome at getting themselves motivated. People were asking questions. There were no complaints. People were really quickly on board with what we had to do so they um, were really happy to help out. Monday, Tuesday was more of a soft start for us. So we kind of worked out how it would look, um, what we would need to, to do differently, how we could communicate with parents um, and with students as well. And talking from the elementary division, we were really lucky because our students were also already familiar with using um, the platform Seesaw. So that, that kind of helped us a lot. That's how we launched stuff to begin with. I don't
0: cool. know, Yeah, yeah. Could you tell us a bit more about the kind of digital infrastructure you had already? So, you mentioned Seesaw. Could you tell us what Seesaw is and how students and teachers were already interacting with it?
1: Yua, do you want to talk a bit to that?
2: Yeah. um, So, we've been using Seesaw as our learning um, platform to share with parents, with peers and with other teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, We use it it as an e-portfolio as well. So, we had that already going. The ECC actually uses Seesaw as their reporting system. So it's uh, something that students learn at quite a young age and um, are quite experienced with it while they when they come up to the elementary school. Um, the, and so we were really thankful that the teachers already knew how to use it and navigate it quite easily, um, as well as parents. Um, so parents have uh, the family app at home and they've been using it as well. So we were lucky we had that. A small adjustment that we needed to make was grade one through three. Um, We're not using an email login, which made it tricky for them to be uploading activities. So we made a quick change. Parents were really um, uh, flexible. And so then students were now able to log in at home to upload their activities. Thankfully, Seesaw has um, now they've opened up a home learning code, which would have been great eight weeks ago. But I'm glad that they were able to do that for other folks in the last couple of weeks.
0: Great. So, what are the functionalities of of Seesaw?
2: So, you can um, put up announcements um, that students cannot reply to, but just uh, are uh, things that notify students as well as parents. You can choose either students and parents or just students um, or just parents. And um, you upload your work, you can comment on each other's work, Teachers can feedback, uh, leave comments. Um, There's the options of leaving feedback as a voice note. Um, Teachers also upload uh, assignments or activities through the activities function, in which you can see all your students and who has uploaded and who hasn't. And also, you can continue to uh, feedback there. Um, Everything's very visual, so it's quite helpful for the younger. It's very accessible for the younger students as well. the grade four and five students um, have been using Teams, uh, Microsoft Teams. Mm-hmm. So they had, they were using Microsoft Teams as well as um, Seesaw. So they had both functions that they were navigating, uh, which made it quite easy to move to um, calls uh, using Microsoft Teams to start off with, whereas the other grade levels were using Zoom.
0: Okay. What are some of the differences between Seesaw and Microsoft Teams, and um, you know which you know which of the two softwares might uh, might suit who better, or what kind of context would each suit better?
2: Um, so the reason why we didn't get rid of Seesaw completely for grade fours and fives is it's very visual. Um, it's really quite easy to navigate, and it's quite easily easy to navigate for parents as well. And so what. Uh, When we have homeroom teachers as well as specialist teachers all navigating um, both Teams and Seesaw, specialists, for example, had more um, success in giving feedback and having almost like a conversation on Seesaw versus on Teams. Um, Teams, on the other hand, is quite um, tricky to navigate for younger students um, because you need to log in and you need to really be able to navigate the platform well whereas Seesaw is very, very much kid-friendly and teachers have been teaching the students about how to use it since the beginning of the school year.
0: Okay. So, you're saying Seesaw is probably more appropriate for younger kids and Microsoft Teams, maybe older kids?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Is there anything um, when, when teachers, so some teachers would teach across both, Are they ever using Seesaw and they go, oh, Seesaw doesn't do this thing that Teams does, I wish it didn't or they're ever using Microsoft Teams and they're going, oh, I wish I was using Seesaw right now because I could have done this or this or this.
2: I think for um, Teams, you can have direct conversations with students so that they have a chat function where you you can say like, hey, um, make sure you upload this whereas in Seesaw, you don't directly communicate with students other than commenting on their work. Okay. So it's not real real time. Okay. So there's that. But also at the same time, um, maybe it's less appropriate for younger students to be chatting with teachers real time as well. Okay. Um, although there are times I'm sure that teachers are like, oh, I wish I could just tell them this at this moment. Um, so in that case, I think Teams has that function. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So on that fir- by the end of that first kind of Friday night, um, Sally, once you'd nutted out some plans with your with your colleagues, what, what's the kind of um what had you decided or what was the framework that you could construct or envisaged?
1: So I oh, I think the most important thing that we decided on very early on was that we wanted to keep the face to face communication going as much as we could. Um, To begin with, it didn't actually involve video calls, but the one thing that we really wanted teachers to do was make sure that they were sending a morning message every day. So a morning message for us looking like a social check-in rather than an academic morning message. So all of the homeroom teachers and all of the advisory teachers in secondary school send short one or two minute video check-ins. This was our, so to start with on the first Monday when we started, that was kind of the first thing the students saw was their teacher saying, hey, good morning, I know this is a bit strange, we don't know how long this is going to last for, but I hope you're okay. So that was something that we really, really wanted to make sure that was consistent across all of the grade levels in the school. Um, And that has continued, it has evolved slightly, but that has continued. Um, Another thing that we really wanted to make sure that we didn't have some classes doing, I don't know, 17 things in one day and one class doing only two things in a, in, a, in a day. So trying to make sure that that was a consistency as well, not necessarily across the whole school, but within each division. And um, so we decided working as much as we could on Beijing school hours and the teachers are expected where possible to try and work between 9 a.m. and 3.30 Beijing time, no matter where they are in the world. Uh, and again, it's evolved as teachers who maybe started off in China then moved home or people have moved countries which has happened a few times um so trying to make sure we were sticking as much to china time so that um it was all children had similar access um the online live learning i, I think has been an issue and continues to be a bit of an issue just because of wi-fi connection depending on where people are but so that was something that kind of has evolved over the last few weeks even though it wasn't necessarily there to begin with Um, trying to make sure that we weren't giving students too much I think that that from that Friday when we were initially trying to write the guidelines we'd said like four hours of work a day um, for for students because that would consider like recess times and snack times and lunch times and, and discussion times um, for us, definitely in the elementary school mm-hmm. in that very first week, we gave them way, way too much work. So we really streamlined and looked at that kind of as we went along um, getting feedback. Um, but I think making sure that we weren't just saying, right, this is what you're going to do. And it's going to take you an hour to listen to me or read through whatever and another hour to do it. So trying to make sure that we were being realistic with our expectations as well. So I think those are probably the main things we wanted to try and um due to begin with but obviously as we've gone along so much has changed since then what's changed um so we have i think we found out our teachers to begin with were spending especially in the first week were number one we were setting way too much work so we kind of we looked at how many activities and things in a day um we were, teachers were spending hours, hours and hours going through, we were looking at Seesaw and going through our Seesaw or Teams posts and trying to comment on on every piece of work, trying to make sure everything had been seen, Um, so that was kind of something that we decided, so now our teachers give detailed feedback on two pieces of, of work. Um, we've introduced video chats with our students, so the morning message that we've talked about being just a, a video message to begin with is now, usually for most teachers, is a, a morning call with the whole class. Um, or the, so that, that kind of has brought back that social aspect a bit, mm. which has been really nice. Um, we've done... Like leaving the voice message, if you were talked on Seesaw, how you have the audio option that's really helped, especially our younger students who obviously can't read so well. And mm. um, trying to leave activities by video as opposed to by with written instructions again, because that helps the students to be more independent. So it's just trying to facilitate that independence in our students. um We found sometimes our parents were getting, were doing the teaching, and obviously our parents are not teachers. So to be for them to be in ho- at home in isolation with their their children and most of our children literally haven't been outside for 8 weeks most of our students that are in China um so trying to make it for them so it's a balance of the children can work independently the child the parent doesn't have to always be with the child um trying to give them a balance of stuff that's online and not online um trying to introduce more PE that's what we've been doing in the last week um doing whole grade zoom well we call it zoomer size so so like calls we have i think we had a 100 and we have 178 in our grade three four and five call this week doing zoomer size together so just it's just trying to be creative about how you can make it fun and just keep everybody's kind of spirits high and motivated
0: that's great. Um, what does that morning check-in look like? Because I mean, if you kind of go around every kid and they all say something, suddenly an hour and a half has passed. So how do you how do you how do you get that to work?
1: Uh, we very quickly discovered on Zoom that you can use mute all participants so <laughs> that's been a very big uh that was a big learning curve for us as well um so it, it's like you would do in in the classroom in the morning in an elementary school it's a hi how are you doing i hope everyone's okay Um this is what this is what our day looks like has anybody got any questions so the teachers have, have kind of streamlined what they've been doing and the, the children have got used to that okay I, I can't talk because if i talk at the same time as that person we can't hear each other um so I think working through through those things and just making it about being socially connected with your class and keeping mm-hmm. those class things together. And I know we talk about the community and connectedness a lot, but that's something that for us, the, the personal touch um, is something that we really are trying to maintain um, just from talking to students and knowing how lonely they've been because they've been inside for so long. So just keeping that social bit going, that's kind of what we try to keep them like.
0: That's great, so do the students contribute something in that morning check in?
1: um I think it depends Yua, do you would you you has got um yeah. there's, her daughter's there no, one of her daughters behind her there um, <laughs> her daughter's in our grade four class, so she you would you want to talk to that a little bit
2: yeah, um the morning check in is like what Sally said is um just literally just a quick check in, you know, and sometimes it's ten fifteen minutes. I think the more social aspects come in the group calls and the individual chats. Um, so that's when they get into it a little bit more into detail if they have um, specific questions or if they want to tell the teacher about something specific, mm. then they'll do it um, uh, during the smaller group chats and in the individual chats. Um, some teachers have set up recess times as well so they do either breakout rooms in Zoom or they'll have they'll get their TA to help organize some students to get together and they just chit-chat and um, have some social time.
0: Cool. I'm interested that you use Zoom given that you're also using Microsoft Teams. So do the older kids do the videos through the Teams or does everyone do Zoom and why is that?
2: So that was a bit of a um, learning journey for us as well. So we started with grade 1 through 3 using Zoom and grade four and five using Teams and um, what we found out soon enough once we started the class meetings is that through Teams you can't actually see all students Um, whereas in Zoom you can have up to 25 participants seen and so it's hard for a teacher when you're trying to gauge um, what the class is understanding or Uh, if you're trying to scroll through your students. So some of the grade four and five students, uh, teachers have changed over to Zoom for their class meetings. Some teachers have completely moved over to Zoom and some continue to use Teams for um, smaller groups and individual chats.
0: Okay, cool. You mentioned breakouts before. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Um, So... Uh, one of the teachers found out the breakout rooms early on, and so she was able to make videos and share with us. And so, so, what's the breakout rooms? Just
0: for those who listen to not yeah.
2: So, on Zoom, you have the function of doing breakout rooms. So, if you have, let's say, you know, 25 um, people in the chat room, you can um, break them out into smaller groups. So, within that bigger group, you'll have you can have you know five groups of five, for example. Mm-hmm. So, for example, yesterday we had a grade three writing celebration. Um, So that was loads of students there. And so they decided to have breakout rooms. So myself and three students became uh, a smaller room in which the students read stories to each other. And so then at the end of it, the breakout rooms closed and we all gathered together to close up the um, event.
0: Cool. As a teacher, can you kind of jump between those different breakout rooms and check in on them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's pretty powerful. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, could you tell us, like, you mentioned before that in the early days you were overloading students. Like, if you could put a percentage on it, what percentage of work are students doing compared to if it was a standard um, face-to-face, how you'd usually run your school?
1: That's a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it does it does waver from week to week, I think. Um, I know for us, our specialist teachers have really found it hard to get students to complete and participate in the activities that they're setting, which has led us to, um, we're, we're trialling at the moment, having actual specialist days. So, um, for example, our grade fours have a specialist day on a Wednesday where all of the specialist teachers set their work. Um, what
0: is, for secondary teachers in particular, what, what are specialists in primary?
1: um visual arts um PE music and for our grade one and two students they also do performance arts um, as well and as our,
2: swimming which has been our, interesting well,
1: <laughs> swimming, swimming has now kind of evolved into more of a kind of a keep fit Yoga. physical activity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly right so yeah. that, that that's been a, a challenge for for Danielle as well I have to say mm-hmm. But, um, so that so that so that's cut that's helped a little bit. And um, so specialists definitely have had the lowest response rate so far, I think. Um, but teachers, it, it does depend on the activity. And I know that older students are completing work for their homeroom teachers. Um, younger students that are reliant on parental help, that we've seen a little bit of a drop off as parents have gone back to work and they're at home with grandparents or, Ie so nanny like Ie's nanny. I.e.s. who can't always read English, so I think that's that's been a bit of a, a challenge. Um, but we've been using our, our all of our classroom assistants, our TAs, the Chinese. Um, so they've been really good at, at at kind of checking in with those students that really need that extra support as well. So, yeah, I, I think completion rate is not as high as it would be at school, but people people are doing the best that they can mm. for sure.
0: Fair enough. I asked the question because I'm you know, a lot of teachers will just be starting with um, online learning and so I'm just trying to get an idea of where they should set their expectations in terms of in comparison to where they were before. So, should, you, should teachers expect to just try to set like 60% of what they were before or something like that or what, what would you recommend?
2: I think that the focus needs to be a bit different. Um, just yeah. it, it needs to be teaching of time management skills, thinking about schedules. Um, because as students became better with managing their time, they were able to complete more work. Yes. So it was a combination of um, us trying to find that right amount of work, but it's also the students learning how to manage their time and mm. find their space um, in their rooms. Even to yeah. find, they're not used to having uh, a you know six-hour, four-hour uh, learning space either. So it's just trying to talk to them about those things um more so than actual content perhaps
1: and i think as well once students became more familiar with the different technology so although our students were used to using seesaw they hadn't always used it independently at school and parents weren't sure so i think for the first couple of weeks the um alex who is our it guy um has spent spent hours and hours trying to problem solve for both teachers and for parents and for students so i think once that got out of the way after the first couple of weeks, it, it, it's calmed down a bit. And mm. we also found with the just trying to narrow down how many platforms we're using. So for us, Zoom, Seesaw and Teams, we, we don't really want to add more into that necessarily because, again, then you go back to the beginning of that learning curve and you have to reteach all mm. over again. So I think it's making sure you know what you're going to use, how you're going to use it and have somebody on board who is going to be able to problem solve quickly to help people and answer a lot of the same questions, which is, I know you were saying we had people make videos. That's been something that was super useful for us to just go, right, this is the video on how you work Zoom. This is the video on how you can do this on Seesaw. This is how you can, so compressing video, all those kinds of things Mm -hmm. that you don't normally have to think about that are like, oh yeah, we can't upload a video longer than five minutes. So if you're going to do a read aloud, you need to do it in small chunks. So just trying to remember and find all of those things out is what takes time. But once you've sorted it and people understand it, then it's it's okay.
0: Great advice. Any tips on supporting students to develop those time management skills?
1: Time. <laughs> I think it's being patient, isn't it? Um, and we have to keep saying to ourselves, we have to remember that all of the students in our division are under 11 years old. So it, it, it's it being patient with them as well when sometimes it's easy to get frustrated because you it's like how can you miss that meeting like we scheduled it and you know the time but then for some reason something else comes up in the way um so patience for the teacher's part you what about you from a parental ex, uh, experience yeah i guess
2: it's just trying to uh get support like give support with um making schedules um realistic schedules um i know some schools That have started their online learning stick to a quite a rigid schedule of everyone wakes up at eight and this happens this math class is at eight thirty and this happens at nine thirty. I think we failed to mention we're a PYP school and so uh, we uh, value our skills and one of the skills is self management and and more specifically time management within those self management skills um, has been a huge focus for us and so uh, we can. you know, use what we've already talked about in school to talk, um, teach students more about time management, Um, giving different schedule options, you know, whether it looks like a circle or it's a timeline or um, giving different options to kids to find what works for them. Um, Our work that we give out has a 48-hour due date, so it's not that it needs to be done within the hour. So students, we're really trying to push students to Find um, independence in and really manage their time well, so that they can finish within those forty-eight hours. But at the time that they feel their learning is is best.
0: Okay. Yeah. Did you did you uh, start with that forty-eight hour timeline, or did you start with something different and change?
1: No, we started with that from from day one, just because we because of that expectation of different time zones and children learning how to do things. And that, that's, again, is across the that's a whole three divisions that choice mm. was made.
0: And that's worked well?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Fantastic. So what's, say, a year three classroom or something like that, what does an average day look like for a year three? Or maybe you want to select either for your daughter, you are the year that she's in or one of, one of a class that you teach, if you do teach classes at the moment. What would a standard day look like?
2: Um, so currently we have chosen one day a week for a grade level to be the specialist day. And so on that day, the students are, um, focusing on specialists. The other days are homeroom subjects. And on two of those days will be, um, Mandarin lessons. Um, so a normal day would start with, uh, students waking up to their, uh, community call or whatever they call it. My daughter calls it their community egg call. Um, so that's at, um. Nine o'clock, all students gather, instructions are given, and then all the videos um, of the learning are uploaded onto Seesaw. Uh, so after their call, she'll go and uh, look through the videos and just go through all the activities one by one. Okay. Um, and then throughout the week, she'll also have calls with um, her teacher as a uh, like individual chats. Um, she'll have Uh, scheduled group chats with the teacher and then sometimes she just has uh, discussions with her friends um, based on a a project that they're working on Mm. Um, we are trying to start thinking about how to get the specialists more integrated Um, so potentially starting after the break we'll have the specialists doing class calls as well on their specialist day Um, because they haven't had a chance to like real time interact with the students, Mm -hmm. which like we've said multiple times is so valuable.
0: Okay. So it sounds like, um, most of the instruction is delivered via video, is that correct? And are they videos that the teachers have made or they're sometimes ones you found on YouTube or something? I
2: would say a majority, like 90% is the teachers. and then they'll edit their video sometimes to integrate a, a, maybe a clip of another video, but they'll be the um, main speaker um, of the video. And what we were finding at the very beginning of our online learning journey is that they they would see the instructions, but because they couldn't really ask questions, sometimes they would just be confused and often not complete the activity. But with these group chats, um, they take the video or the assignment that's been given and have a chance to just clarify any questions or make connections with things that they've done in the past in their classroom or review concepts that maybe students are struggling with um, and therefore the completion rate has been much higher. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. So, you kind of um, open up this chat at the start and whilst you open that chat, it's a social check-in, hi everyone, how you doing, um, how are we feeling, you know, this news came out, whatever. Um and then, at that time, you say, "Can everyone now log on and have a look at the task for today?" Is this what you do? And then they kind of um, have a get get work out what's there. Or
2: um, I think it's a a little bit of both. Um, they everyone won't log in at the same time. The teacher will most likely screen share, um, but we'll do a brief overview. It won't be like the detailed parts of it. That'll be done in the group chats.
0: Okay, so. So the teacher might, they do the intro at the start of the day, then they screen share and they say, this, these are the tasks for today, you know, it might be four or five videos or something like that and then some PDFs or something for the activities associated yeah. with it um, and then they say, go in and then what's what are the group chats that you're talking about?
2: So, we actually use a program called Calendly um, and so students can sign up for different slots. So teacher might have... You know four math slots that week or four writing slots um, some are flexible in that students can opt to take or not take um, and others will be strategy groups so a teacher might think oh these you know four kids are really struggling with um, lowest common denominator so she'll create a little math group for that that particular concept um, and sometimes it's it'll just be random groups so that there it's more of a um general check-in in terms of academics as well as social. And some it's just more friendship groups so that kids are discussing more.
0: So how, how are those group check-ins scheduled throughout the day?
2: Um, it varies per teacher, um, but usually the week before there'll be a Calendly invite which shows all the different time options. Um, for the younger students, the parents will be opting in to sign in for them and for the older students, they'll be choosing their own times that work for them.
0: Okay, cool. So so a student, they have the intro, they see what's to do for the day, that call finishes. They then will select one of the activities that they need to do. Uh, they'll watch the video, they'll try to work through that. Then if they get stuck, they can message their teacher. But also throughout the day, there's probably like two, three calendly events that they can choose to attend and some of them will be targeted towards that activity. Am I kind of starting to get the picture?
2: Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: All right. And all of your students have someone at home with them that kind of supports them along whether it's mum or a dad or an AIE?
1: Pretty much, yeah.
0: Okay. Very good. Now, with these videos, how did all of your teachers already know how to make videos um, or if not, how did you skill them up?
1: good question (laughs) i think for the most part most people knew how to do it um as i said our tech guy was very hands-on so creating videos for people to watch about how to make videos and how to compress videos and how to edit videos so that the first two weeks especially was very um heavy for him on that but he also was happy to i don't know call through wechat or a different platform just to to help people out as well so he did a lot of screen sharing to show people how to do things too so um i know for some of our teachers it was a very very big learning curve and for some of the others who they were a bit more tech savvy they were able then to support other people from their teams Mm. so it's been it has been a real joint effort with people helping each other out trying to work things out okay
0: what software do you use for those those screencasts those videos
1: Oh, I personally use Photo Booth. Um, okay. I use iMovie. Um, what what else is there? You have QuickTime, uh, Stream, yeah, Loom. String. Um,
2: yeah, I think those are the main ones.
1: Yeah, and people tend to stick with ones that they know as well. So, for example, I use I usually do a morning message on a Monday for students, which I then share with them. But I always use Photo Booth because I'm that's what I'm most comfortable with but if we are, we record our assemblies to share for students in different time zones if they can't watch them, but then I would edit that using iMovie, for example. Okay. Um, and Handbrake is the one that I personally have been using to compress videos as well to make them smaller.
0: Okay, Handbrake. I haven't heard of that one. Um, handbrake. Okay. Um,
2: stream, stream has been really good in that um, you can... Um, as you're speaking the subtitles i don't know if it's called subtitles but yeah you, what you're saying roughly it doesn't always get it because it's like a dictation function um, mm-hmm. comes up so i think some people have found that useful um on loom it's been quite good in that your face is so even if you're sharing a screen you have a little circle in that um, your face shows up uh, and there's been more uh chats on twitter i've noticed that it's important for students to be actually see your expression and your mouth moving as they're giving instructions so um a few of the teachers have now moved on to loom as well
0: okay and loom's super easy i've just played with it for the first time last night and i was surprised at how easy it was yeah fantastic do you get your students to collaborate at all and if i mean you've you've mentioned the the kind of group sessions how's that been working
1: yeah, I think the feedback is pretty good. Once you get your students used to being able to use the breakout rooms and things, or I know for the older students, I know Sydney has been on calls with her friends. In Sydney is you as daughter, by the way. Mm-hmm. She's been on calls in um, with with uh, like unpacking units of inquiry and so on in small groups. So that that they're facilitating the collaboration that way in the older grade levels.
0: Mm. Okay. Have you had any students who've just kind of dropped dropped off and you've had to really kind of chase them up and, and tell us about that process?
1: Um, so for us, chasing up students has been more about checking in socially to make sure they're okay. Um, and I think the students that have participated less for the most part especially to begin with other students that need that extra support in school anyway yeah. um, so they're ones that we check in and we've got our learning support team and our counsellor has done a really good they've both done a really good job of trying to support that as well yeah. um, so checking in with students sometimes on a daily basis but sharing that out with between the homeroom teacher the learning support teacher the counsellor so that so that they're up there touching base with lots of other people Um, We've also lucky enough to have um, EAL teachers that are assigned to each grade level, so they've also been really helping out with those children that need extra support um, with their English.
0: Fantastic. Yua, did you want to say something?
2: Yeah, just that um, some of the teachers have also been trialling, putting up videos on Seesaw as a social check-in. They'll say like, hey, Ali, notice that you haven't... um, been very active on Seesaw, um, just wanted to check in if you're okay, um, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so, the specialist teachers have all been doing that as well as some of the homeroom teachers.
0: Okay, fantastic. Um, and how's the connection, how do you connect with parents? Do you, what's kind of, do you software for that or just email or phones or how do you do
1: it? Um, so, we've been doing emails like I've been sending weekly emails to parents um, just communicating anything exciting that's happened or anything new that's happening. Um, for us, when we were trialing our um, starting off the video calling, we emailed them and said, look, this is a brand new thing for us. This is a brand new thing for the students. We're going to give all these different things a go. We don't know what's going to work because we've never done it before. So please be patient. So I think we, we have been very, try to be very open and transparent with our parents about it's a learning curve for us as well and hmm. um, our head of school has sent out also sends out either a video sometimes she's done or emails as well just trying to keep people um, in the loop for what we're doing and um, we've done parent surveys so I think we've done three now I believe and that comes through our communications department so that's they're three division wide um and parents respond to them and then they share the results with us.
0: Cool. Do you know what software's been software. used to do the the surveys?
1: Uh, Microsoft Forms.
0: Okay. Sorry. We you're... can't
1: use we can't use Google in China, that's why.
0: Oh okay. Or we can't use
1: Google. Really. <laughs> um
2: the we we have um homeroom rep rep uh, parents and so we have a WeChat group with just the homeroom reps from every classroom, and so they've been really helpful um, in, in in sending out information and giving us feedback if need be. Um, Sally's been really good in her emails, trying to support parents and really trying to be understanding that you know, you know, we know that you haven't signed up to be you know the homeschool teacher, um, so she's been giving really good tips and and strategies and and empathizing with the te- as
0: the, with the parents as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Do you feel like you've you in a groove now? And and if so, how long, how many weeks did it take before you like felt like you could take a breath and that things were actually starting to work?
1: I think week 3 was a huge turning point for us. I think once we'd got that was the week that all of our teachers had started video calling with their students either one by one or in small groups. So I think once we started that we felt like we had the, the students back connected with us a bit more. Um, so I think probably week three was a good week. Uh, week seven was tough. Um, and I think tough just mentally and physically on teachers and students. Um, when we started initially, it was like, well, this is going to go for two or three weeks. And now we finished week eight. It's like, goodness, how much longer is this going to last for, mm. which nobody actually knows. So I think it's keeping that momentum going. Um, and at the beginning when it was exciting and it was like, yeah, we can do this. This is something different. And now it's like, come on, we can keep going. So I think it's it's got better um, and it's, it is just tweaking things along the way as we go and answering questions from teachers, answering questions from parents. So those those things are still happening. Um, trying to respond to survey, like suggestions from surveys. Some of them, uh, we worked this week on a list of, of questions that we're trying to action to to move our online learning forward so Mm -hmm. there's so I don't think we've ever ever going to actually be able to stop and go yes we've achieved this we've done it I think it's always gonna we're gonna find ways that we can evolve and move forward and make it better um but I know people are working there working as hard as they can possibly work our teachers are giving 110 percent to what they're doing and it's it's much it is much harder work than being in school actually I have to say it's much more intense I think because you've got your devices to handle the time so it's making sure that people are actually stopping and switching off and and making sure people have weekends and don't work 12 hour days which Mm. would be very easy
0: to do totally what were did any of the parent suggestions from those surveys come to mind as things that were really good ideas and that you've implemented
1: uh I'm trying to think what some of them have been over the last couple of weeks. Just things was, like, go say you.
2: Um, there was that one about more um, being active. Um, oh, yeah. They wanted more PE. Um, so instead of having more like PE classes, that's how we started Size with mm. um, the PE team. Um, and now some of the grade five uh, students are stepping up as leaders and they'll be leading the Size um, once at least after the break. That's been
0: good. That's great. You could broadcast across the world and get everyone involved. I'm sure there's there's (laughs) more of us who need. I'm definitely getting a sore back from sitting at the computer for the last four days. Yeah. Is there anything? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Go.
1: just going to say there was another thing that we did as well which was we've had a few screen free days well actually no a few we've had two screen free days now and that was that was kind of as a as a result of parents saying my child is spending so long looking at their computer what else can we do so for those couple of days we've we've given activities that have been offline um in theory offline for teachers as well but that's a bit that's a bit trickier because people have been using those as as planning days and catching up with their teams and things um But for for students, I think that's been really nice, encouraging them to do different activities at home, um, just for mental health and and kind of just
0: Mm.
1: healthy minds and bodies.
0: Fair enough. Um, As leaders, what do you think it was important that you did in the really, really early days to help um, get things started and off on the right foot?
1: I think making sure the guidelines were really important, so making sure that teachers knew what, what was expected of them um, and trying to be realistic with those expectations. Um, I think the the communication with our staff has been, uh, we always, again, talking about that connection and that community. We're, we are a very close community school, so I think it's making sure that people understand that even though we're not all in the same place, that they can still talk to us, they can... We chat message us, they can video call us, um, and just trying to make sure that we're hitting all of those groups of people that need to be able to talk and and share with us. Um, I think uncertain times means that people get nervous and they get anxious about things that they wouldn't always be worried about. So just making sure that people know they can still reach out to us if they need anything. So mm. making sure that people have that understanding and knowledge, I'd say, would probably one of the most important things for us Mm. um i do want to add that um
2: using the middle leadership team to the maximum has been amazing a big shout out to our team leaders and to our pyp coordinator um i think we learned quickly after the first couple of weeks not meeting regularly that we were all feeling disconnected and not knowing what each other was doing so um The PYP coordinator, Sally, and I, we meet every morning um, at a certain time, and that's been a big game changer just because then we can communicate things that we normally wouldn't because you wouldn't reach out for small things. But because we have that meeting time, we can really be thorough. Same thing with our team leaders. We have a weekly meeting, um, which we didn't start off with, which, again, um, was difficult because there was – a disconnect there and now we have that forum to to get together and discuss things like um, this is what the parents say Um, what do you think feedback should look like and we have those um, kind of discussions I think that was
1: really really important in um, being where we are today yeah and I think taking those discussions out of out of text format as well so to begin with, we were doing a lot by email or by quick WeChat message, which then meant people were continuously checking their phones and mm. things. And what we found is actually for us, it's much easier to have a face-to-face conversation. And um, so that's that kind of is what led to our the, the weekly scheduled meetings. It's it just means you can communicate face-to-face and see what other people are thinking. And I think it just encourages people to be more honest and open as well. Mm.
0: Yeah, totally. Is there anything you'd do differently if you were to start out again? Uh,
1: probably <laughs> many things we would do differently. I think we'd start off with our the face to face communication meetings. I think that would probably come quicker than week two or week three. Um, the video calls to students in the first week it was just it was a bit chaotic in terms of. Just everybody trying to work things out. But I think getting those those video calls with students going as quickly as possible is probably something we may have tried earlier on. Although I think at the time we did it as early as we possibly could have done. But that would be that would be something I'd recommend to people is trying to get that done sooner rather than later. Um, and we, I guess we're fortunate as well in our school is that all of our students have access to some kind of device, be it a computer or an iPad or a phone or something. Mm. Um, so that, that has made our job easier to a certain degree, I think, than those. I know there are other communities out there that don't have that same luxury.
0: Totally. Is there anything that as a school and in terms of this online learning stuff, you're still struggling with and you just haven't quite worked it out yet? Um, i think
2: i think uh one thing that we've been talking a lot about is uh feedback for students and what that looks like um how do you strike a balance of really giving good feedback to each individual child for every subject without overwhelming um the teachers Mm. and so you know people wake up to and people are in all different time zones so they're waking up to you know you know, 600 messages on uh, notifications on seesaw, and it, it that you know that red dot is it it, it is like wow ah, it panics people, and so you're, it's it's knowing that the we can have a chance to talk about and go through well, how can we use the like button? How can how can we just have a social uh, check-in? How can we do a praise versus you know proper conferring type? feedback where you're giving praise and thinking about clarifying questions and next steps. So I think that's still a conversation that's ongoing. We did say that the, the minimum requirement is two, you know, uh, deep feedbacks. But at the same time, teachers are going um, beyond that for sure. Mm. Um, so how do we alleviate that the pressure that teachers are feeling to want to do the very best that they can for their students but also try and help them have a work-life balance as well. Mm. So I think that's that's an ongoing battle that we have that we continue to talk about.
1: Yeah, And, and also just the assessment and reporting part as well as we're coming towards the end of our, our school year. Um, we finished mid-June, so it's just it's looking at how... Like lots of questions from teachers about how we're we going to do our reporting and so on. So that's an, another ongoing discussion that we've been having over the last couple of weeks. And actually... Our reports are going to look slightly different, but for the most part, they're going to remain the same. They'll, they'll just be during online learning. We notice that as so similar to how they normally are, which I think has been is quite nice for our teachers as well, because obviously it's something that they're not changing. It's something they're familiar yeah. with already.
0: <laughs> One constant. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, any any last bits of advice that you'd have um, for people starting out? on a similar journey to the one you're currently on? Wow.
1: uh... (laughs) We we both laugh uncertainly at that.
2: (laughs) I think as um, leaders, to take care of your staff um, as, um, you know, more than teachers, trying to really make that personal connection, making sure that they're personally okay, feeling emotionally Um, stable um, trying to help alleviate anything that we possibly can Mm. Um, I think that's probably one thing that we've tried to focus on as much as possible Um, yeah Yeah.
1: and I think it's all about the people as well like you were saying if we don't have the people that are happy and healthy then we don't have a school so I think it's making sure that it's it's considering the needs of the teachers. And you were always saying about using our team leaders. Well, our team leaders are, are all homeroom teachers. So it's, it's making sure that they're the people on the ground who are trying to put into action what we're, what we're talking about. So making sure that they have some input and some say into what's going on as well um, yeah. and help with some of that decision making because ultimately they're the ones that it affects in terms of their teaching role. So I think it's being mindful of, of that as well and making sure that people know they don't have to be happy every single day. And, and that's, that's okay because that's, that's human nature. And if you're not having a, a happy day, then feel reach out and talk to somebody. Uh, don't go through it on your own because everybody's in the same situation and we understand that people have ups and downs. And there have been many ups and downs.
0: <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Great advice. Where can people go to find out more about um, Beijing City International School or, or any any tips you've shared online uh, for teachers in a similar position?
1: Good question. You can uh, head towards our school website, which is uh, www.bcis.cn. So there's information on there about us. Um, we have been posting on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, um, oh, you have disappeared, um, on there as well. So you can go and you can have a look at those. I don't know if you have a comment space underneath, but we can send you our um, handle, handle, Twitter handles. And we have been sharing our online learning documents as well. So we can also give you a link to have a look at those um, and you can attach them to the bottom of your podcast as well if that's a possible thing to do.
0: Fantastic. That would be amazing. Okay. So Sally and are thank you so much for your time today. Um, It's really amazing. I mean, I've spoken to quite a few people about distance learning um, so far today, but most of those people are people who, you know, have been doing it for a while. But it's amazing to hear from a school, you know, at the eight-week mark, Uh, the journey you've gone through, the things that you've learned. Um, And I guess something that really came out to me today was that strength and that importance of connections and relationships and looking after each other and things like that. Um, I'm incredibly impressed by how you've managed to bring together such a cohesive program in such a short amount of time. And it's really wonderful that you've been willing to share your experience and your knowledge with people um, through this platform and also through the guide that you've created that we'll make sure we share. So thanks so much for your time today um, and all the best with with the future.
1: Thank you. Thank
2: you. for speaking
0: to you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this chapter of the ERRR podcast online education special, please share it with friends and colleagues. And please consider supporting the ongoing production of the ERRR podcast at patreon.com forward slash ERRR. Signing up as a patron helps to communicate to me the value that listeners are receiving from the podcast and helps to keep the production of the podcast financially sustainable into the future. That's patreon.com forward slash ERRR. I hope that you enjoy the rest of this education special.